As the rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, I warmly welcome you to this service, which is brought to you while our doors are closed due to the coronavirus outbreak. It has been collated from our archive of live choral music, together with specially recorded readings, prayers and sermon for the specific service. I shall be offering this act of worship on your behalf, and so your prayers can join with mine. May the light and hope of Christ be with us as our worship begins. A very warm welcome to this service from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, on this, the fifth Sunday of Lent. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life.
Lord be with you. Please be seated as we begin now with our opening prayer. Let us pray. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us then show our love for him by confessing our sins in penitence and faith. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. Let us come to the Lord who is full of compassion and acknowledge our transgressions in penitence and faith. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Most merciful God, who by the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, delivered and saved the world. Grant that by faith in him who suffered on the cross, we may triumph in the power of his victory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, 
who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. And he said to me, Prophecy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophecy to the breath, prophecy mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. And he said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophecy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
a reading from letter of Paul to the Romans. Set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit, since the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life because of righteousness, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. A certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. 
the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if, he's a, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews, who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? 
they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upwards and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I am the only person I know whose conversion to the Christian faith resulted in part from the writing of a university essay. I was 19 years old at the time and newly arrived at university. I had no interest in religion at all. I certainly wasn't a churchgoer. The whole thing struck me as boring and a waste of time. And so my heart did not exactly leap with joy when my history tutor packed me off with an essay title on medieval monasticism, specifically on the rule of St. Benedict. So I was not only surprised, I was astounded at the impact that that undergraduate task had upon me. Because there was something at the heart of the vision of life that St. Benedict created for his monks back in the sixth century that touched my 19-year-old agnostic soul. I glimpsed something within it that I knew my life was lacking and that I needed profoundly. And my reason for talking to you about this today is that it seems to me that these same insights can speak to us all in the extraordinary circumstances in which we currently find ourselves. 
St. Benedict described his rule as a rule for beginners. In other words, far from being designed for pious and holy people, he had very ordinary folk like you and me in mind. And what he sets out is a pattern of life that is wise and balanced and humane, which is why we can all learn from it, not simply those who happen to have a monastic vocation. Members of Benedictine religious orders are unusual in having to take a vow of stability. This means that when someone becomes a Benedictine, they join a specific monastic house for life. So they have no choice but to do their living and their growing and their spiritual journeying within that one community, amongst that particular group of human beings and in that specific setting. This can bring its own very real challenges, as those of you who are having to learn to live cooped up in close proximity with other members of your family may already be discovering. Because it is always so much easier to avoid some of life's problems, especially difficulties in our relationships, by distancing ourselves from them by separating ourselves from those whom we find challenging. So we go out, we close our bedroom door, we bury ourselves in work, we move house, we change jobs, we move on. But Benedictines bound by a vow of stability have to learn to get on with one another in the place they are in. They have to learn to regard one another with respect and to look at their own conduct in relation to other people. Because in that kind of setting, problems have to be dealt with. Ways of living together creatively and well have to be found, because you cannot escape from them if you are stuck in that same monastery for life. If you're currently sharing your home with others, there may be all kinds of tensions in your household, hidden or overt. If that is the case, you will never have another opportunity like this one, nor will it ever be quite so essential for you to learn how to love and to value one another, perhaps the very people whose tolerance and goodwill you have come to take for granted over the years or individuals who drive you up the wall, but whom you must now strive to learn how to treat with love and respect. Jesus commanded us to love one another. That is a charge to us all to act lovingly, regardless of what we happen to be feeling inside. The strange thing is that if you do strive to behave lovingly, and respectfully towards another human being whom you don't particularly warm to, in time, it really does start to change the way you feel about that person. Try it. Another thing that struck me about the rule of St. Benedict when I first encountered it all those years ago was its vision of a life that is balanced, 
At the age of 19, I was a very anxious and driven student, and Benedict's rule made me realise that balance was the one thing that my life was seriously lacking. His monks were to divide each day between work, prayer and study. In other words, they were all required to undertake something physical, something spiritual and something that fed the mind each and every day. There is something healthy, humane, and profoundly wise about that kind of model. It's perhaps worth thinking about ways in which each one of us can try to order our daily lives to engage body, mind, and spirit during the weeks ahead. Last summer, for various reasons, I ended up spending a couple of weeks of my annual leave at home on my own. I was conscious beforehand of the potential risks of that kind of staycation. Either you succumb to the temptation to work instead of having a proper break, or you do the exact opposite and end up doing absolutely nothing, rotting in front of the television set and squandering what should be a precious time of rest and recreation. So, conscious of those dangers, I created a bit of structure for myself. Firstly, I resolved to go out and do something interesting each day. So I went for a walk, or to an exhibition, or visited somewhere I'd never been before. Secondly, I read a poem every day. Thirdly, I listened to a piece of music, attentively, not just as background wallpaper. And finally, strange though it may seem, I cleaned something in my house every day. Nothing huge or onerous. One day I dusted my bookshelves, another day I cleaned those bits of my work, kitchen work surfaces that never normally see the light of day. I still had plenty of time to sit in the garden and read the paper and to watch television, but by the end of that fortnight, I had a gleaming house, I had learned all kinds of new things, I had discovered features of my local environment that I simply hadn't known were there, and as a consequence of all of that, I felt properly rested and fully alert, ready to return to work with my energy renewed. And it seems to me that that kind of little routine really can help to keep one in good psychological and spiritual shape during a time when one is obliged to remain homebound. Obviously, none of us now has the freedom that I enjoyed last summer to go out and visit places. But nevertheless, it is still possible to set oneself small targets that can make all the difference. You could make the effort to contact a friend or family member each day by phone or email or even letter. What a joy and delight it is to receive a real letter through the post these days. Perhaps you could listen to a piece of music each day that has meant something significant to you in the past. You could set yourself small goals in improving your immediate environment 
try investigating the archaeological strata of paperwork in that drawer that you dump things in that haven't seen the light of day for at least the past decade. And whether you are alone or in a house full of noisy children, try to find a little period of time each day when you can be quiet, still, attentive. Time you can spend listening to God. Time you can spend in prayer. One of the important things about prayer is not only that it enables us to open ourselves to God, but also that it requires us to open our hearts to the pain of our world, which alerts us to the need to look beyond our own present sorrows, fears, and frustrations, and to connect with the lives and the suffering of others. The strange thing I've discovered when living in this kind of way, with a different kind of rhythm, even for a short period of time, is that my attitude towards the most mundane of tasks begins to change. The most ordinary of jobs, prayerfully and lovingly performed, even the washing up, can suddenly become something far more than that. Two of our most famous and well-loved hymns express this extraordinarily well. One of them is the hymn with words by John Keeble, New Every Morning. It includes these verses. If on our daily course our mind be set to hallow all we find, New treasures still of countless price God will provide for sacrifice. The trivial round, the common task, will furnish all we need to ask. Room to deny ourselves, a road to bring us daily nearer God. And there are those famous words by the priest and poet George Herbert. Teach me, my God and King, in all things thee to see, and what I do in anything to do it as for thee. A servant with this clause makes drudgery divine, who sweeps a room as for thy laws, makes that and the action fine. A sacrament is something utterly ordinary, Bread, wine, water, your life, my life, that is transformed by the power and the grace of God into something extraordinary, something that is suffused with his love. And although we cannot share the sacrament of communion with each other this morning, we are nevertheless surrounded by the sacramental. We just need to remember to open our eyes to see it. My brothers and sisters, today, the fifth Sunday of Lent, marks the start of Passiontide, when we begin our descent towards Holy Week, ending with the darkness and desolation of Good Friday. It is a hard, hard journey that lies ahead. It will ask much of us. But be of good heart, be steadfast in the faith, and remember that the promise of Easter Day still awaits us, because new life will dawn, just as Lazarus emerges from the tomb. Christ's light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. 
and thanks be to God for that. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead, and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, hear our prayers this day as we hold before you the needs of our world and the concerns of our own hearts. We pray for all who are sick or suffering here and across the globe especially all victims of the coronavirus. We pray for those who are unwell, at home or in hospital, those who are fighting for their lives, those who feel alone and afraid, separated from loved ones. We pray for those who have died and for those who feel the pain of bereavement especially those unable to attend the funeral services of loved ones. We pray too for all who are anxious about the future, about their work and their finances. Grant them strength of heart and support them through this difficult time. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. We pray for our medics and nurses and all our hospital support staff, for those who feel exhausted, dispirited and overwhelmed by the tidal wave of human need and desperation that they are seeking to meet. We thank you for their courage, for their steadfastness, and for their dedication. And we pray for the leaders of the nations at this time of international crisis, 
guide them with your Holy Spirit and grant them wisdom that they may work for the good of all, but especially for those who are most vulnerable. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, we give you thanks for all those acts of kindness and generosity that are bringing hope into people's lives at this time of crisis and need. Help us too to live with thoughtful and generous hearts. Help us to rejoice in the gift of each new day. Support us when we feel lonely, frustrated or in despair and open our eyes to the hidden blessings that surround us that we may be channels of your love and your peace. We hold before you all whom we carry in our hearts at this time and we ask your blessing upon them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the church throughout the world and for this church of St. Bride. We give thanks for all who have kept alive the flame of faith here over so many centuries and for all who strive to bear witness to your light in times of darkness. And we pray for ourselves and for one another and we ask your blessing upon our life as a community of faith and as part of the family of Christ. Heavenly Father, we ask for your protection and guidance. May your love surround us. May your wisdom inspire us. May your will direct us. May your strength sustain us. And may your holy angels guard, protect and defend us in all that we do. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Once we were far off, but now in union with Christ Jesus, we have been brought near through the shedding of Christ's blood for he is our peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise, Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. And now we give you thanks, because for our salvation, he was obedient even to death on the cross, the tree of shame was made the tree of glory, and where life was lost, there life has been restored. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. 
we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, who hast taught us that what we do for the least of our brothers and sisters, we do also for you. Give us the will to be the servant of others, as you were the servant of all, and gave up your life and died for us, but are alive and reign now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. Christ crucified draw you to himself 
to find in him a sure ground for faith, a firm support for hope, and the assurance of sins forgiven. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.